that that sums it up completely. That like in the eighties, there was a movie called Mr. Mom, and that's the that's the joke. That's the gimmick. It's a dad having to do stuff that a mom would do. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. Right, we're back for another episode of Medical Dads. How are you doing out, out there, Stu? Ah, I'm not doing too bad at all. All right, so last week we were talking about uh, what's different about parenting and child rearing today versus back in our parents' day, you know, when we were growing up, right? And we talked about it from an overall conceptual thing, but at the end of it, I felt like there was still a lot more we could talk about, right? Like this thing is, it, parenting has changed a lot you know, over these decades. And it, in other ways, it hasn't changed that much, right? And I just feel like we only scratched the surface. So I had a couple more things I wanted to talk about today. Absolutely. One of the first ones is, and I think this is the main one, relative, you know, uh, the main thing to us as dads uh-huh. is what is the role of the dad in the family? You know, how has that changed? Because, you know, for the purpose of this show, I think that's the biggest question we need to answer to close out season one. You know, we, we also will talk about the role of the mom and how that's changed. But for, for, for all intents and purposes, the first question in my mind is the role of the dad. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great question that we, that would have been nice to have asked right at the very beginning of this whole podcast, this whole series of podcasts is what exactly <laughs> is a dad? You know, what does a dad do? I So. When I was a med student, right, we went to med school in Kingston, and they they didn't have enough obstetrics rotations in Kingston. Uh-huh. So a bunch of us in our in the class got sent to this small town just outside of Toronto to assist in babies being delivered. And I just remember one night, a woman was delivering a baby, and then this dude walks in checks the baby, sees that the baby's born, and then leaves. And then the whole nursing station, they all knew this man. They're like, that's like the fifth woman he's knocked up, right? <laughs> he just comes in and says, says hi to the baby, and then he leaves. They never see him again, right? So that is point A of what a dad is. That's the minimum. <laughs> the minimum requirements of a dad is right there. <laughs> well, he's slightly above the minimum because he did show up to say hi. True. As I was saying that, I thought there is a sl- another level, but yeah. really, why even show up once, you know? Because if you never show up, sometimes you just don't even know that the baby exists, you know? Then you're absolved. Yeah, I mean, not to say anything ne- negative about my Jamaican heritage, uh, but uh, Jamaica does have a certain reputation for uh, for some dads who, who may not have even done as much as that, <laughs> at least historically. I can't say it's like that now, but... All right, we're just going to edit out this entire podcast, but going on forward. <laughs> so what? So you know that does bring up that idea of of how things have changed from from the time of us having like dads or us being kids with dads to to now. I you know if you talk mm-hmm. to my mom and a lot of people from from around her her time, uh, she would say 
Or she might say that, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that the biggest role that the dad played for a lot of moms back then was as a figurehead. Uh, you know, <laughs> the dad's main purpose was to be able to say to the kids, OK, that's a, you cut that out or I'm going to tell your father. We'll wait till your father gets home. And that, that was it. That was the biggest contribution that the dads were making besides actually bringing home the proverbial bacon. <laughs> that's actually a pretty good argument. That's, that's probably somewhat true because in the olden days, dads aren't around as much. Right. So they could only be alluded to. They're not physically present in the house that often. Yeah. I mean. Uh, if I look at my what my own father's experience would have been with his father, uh, my grandfather was a sailor. He'd just be gone for weeks at a time, right? <laughs> and then, yeah, and then he'd show up, and uh, I don't know exactly how like what things were like when he when he showed up again. But by the time, but by the time you were a child, like the 1970s and 80s, at that point, dads are around a little bit more, I think, especially like the middle class suburban dad. Like they're around the house a little bit more than sailor dad was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although I think I, I've, I'm pretty confident that my kids still see more of me on a regular basis than I would have seen of my dad, who's a police officer. Um, <laughs> you know, he works shift work well, just like I do, but his shift work could mm -hmm. be, you know, you're following a suspect or something, and then the suspect gets up and drives to Montreal, and now all of a sudden <laughs> you drive into Montreal. Yeah. Wait, wait, your dad's like a detective? Uh, yeah, he was. Wow. I mean, I mean, usually a cop over the course of their career doesn't doesn't just spend their time wearing like the blue uniform, walking the beat, <laughs> swinging the baton. Yes, like, I, I know. I, I watched The Wire. I saw how like McNulty went through different roles as the different seasons went on. Yeah. But that is cool. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I you know, I don't uh, I don't want to misquote like the highest rank he reached, but I certainly remember him being Sergeant Harmon for, for a certain mm. point. But I'd have to actually ask him to say like what what was the highest title that he had? This this came up in our house the other day because my son started he's been he's been looking at these mystery books like they're he can't read right but they're read they're read out loud on an app to him uh -huh. on the iPad so he's very intrigued by these mystery books like he's going around the house muttering the words suspects and motives <laughs> right all the time nice. right he's like daddy what is suspects and motives and then at some point you know I told him you know what at some point in your life your dad wanted to be a detective and my daughter heard this was like what like she she had this idea that we all wanted to be doctors forever and that's the only option right really you want to be a detective she like i'm confused what kind of doctor is a detective <laughs> so then the, the follow-up question is like do detectives make money and i'm like i don't know i mean i have to ask you that <laughs> they definitely do not make money uh they don't make money uh commensurate to the amount of uh, risk and hassle <laughs> in their job that's for sure like, so here's a question for you so you're an emergency room doctor yeah and when we're going through medical training and you're trying to pick which specialty you're going to pick a lot of times people pick emergency room doctor because the hours are albeit strange hours and on-call hours the total hours per month is not crazy high the way it would be for like a surgeon or someone who's on call and you know over a weekend instantly puts in 24 36 hours in a weekend like was that part of your rationale of picking this that you by doing this career would be home more and be more of a hands-on dad or was is this just a coincidence uh, yeah i think that's more of a coincidence i didn't specifically i didn't specifically pick it for the for the hours especially since i'm a i'm an academic uh 
pediatric eMERGE doc. So mm. it's a bit different if you're a, a, an adult eMERGE doc in a community where you can pretty much just choose your hours. And a lot of those guys might do, say, 16 shifts a month, and that's it. Like mm. When they're not at work, they're not really doing right. a whole lot of other responsibilities for their right. job. They can which, leave it at home. Which means they're working four days a week kind of thing, right, compared to other people who would be doing five days a week over a month. You're already looking at 20 to 25 days, depending on which month we're in. Yeah, although to be fair, those guys are working... You know, when you're working an overnight shift, if you go in and you yeah, work from like, you know, 10 o'clock at night till 8 o'clock in the morning, because some, right. some of those guys are working 12-hour shifts, right? 12 true, or 10-hour shifts. So uh, uh, that really is, you know, so somebody worked you know, Monday to Friday and had the weekend off, that still probably means more actual useful time with their family than somebody who worked, mm -hmm. you know, like Tuesday to Friday and then worked Saturday overnight and into Sunday. They kind of wrecked for that day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but no, like emergency medicine and, and shift work, it does have its advantages, uh, certainly for being able to see kids sometimes during the daytime when you might, uh, when someone else might otherwise have to be at work and for getting things mm -hmm. done sometimes during the daytime. But, uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody who's sort of trying to weigh like lifestyle, uh, to specifically say, oh yeah, like pizza purge is the way to go if you want <laughs> the most lifestyle of your family. Because, you, you, I mean, you got to work a lot of holidays and a lot of stuff like that that you wouldn't necessarily want to be working. So so what was your memories of your dad in terms of, like, how often was he home or how often was he not at home? What's your general feeling of it? I got definitely got the feeling that that guy worked a lot. Um, mm. And yeah, not in any kind of resentful way of being like, oh, he cared more about his job than us or anything like that. And it was nothing like that. But, uh, but just when it seemed like one of those things like, yeah, man, being an adult sure looks tough. Because this guy's got to work. I, I mean, it was not abnormal for me to uh, go to school, come home, don't see him in the evening, uh, wake up the next day, don't see him in the daytime, go go to school, and then come back the next evening and not see him again. You know, like because he's been in and out while you were asleep, or is he just out the whole time? Uh, a combination of both. Mm. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, definitely. You go. I go two, three days without seeing the guy. <laughs> um, and that's just very different than the way things are now. Like my right. kids will go sometimes long stretches without seeing me or without seeing me awake, but it just seems to me like it was worse for him than it is for me. Right. Right. But on the flip side, uh, the expectation of what he had to do when he was home, uh, I don't think I could get away with that. <laughs> that may be, that may speak to the difference between your mom versus your wife. Uh, yeah, that probably does speak and hopefully speaks to some difference just between me and my dad as well. But I was certainly raised with my mom very much pointing out that, see here, see what's happening with, with us as your parents. Do not expect that you're going to find a woman in this country who's going who's gonna to be okay with that. So, so do tell, like what was, what, when your dad is home, I mean, the rare times he is home, what is the situation with dad parenting life back in 1982? I mean... Uh, you know, he was certainly there for things like the discipline, uh, and he could be a pretty fun dad, but mm -hmm. I mean, he would freely admit now he never was changing any diapers. Uh, and my, <laughs> I know for my wife's uh, dad, it's exactly the same. I don't think even with grandchildren, he's changed a diaper. Maybe he changed his first one with one of our <laughs> kids or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, never changed a diaper. Certainly wasn't there like doing all the things like uh, like working on schoolwork and homework with us, uh, mm. like the whole bedtime routine. It wasn't really like incorporated to having to do that, uh, giving baths, those kinds of things. So 
like people who've listened to our show know that you're a real hands-on dad, right? Like you're like watching the same shows, cartoons your kids watch with them so that you can like ask them questions about it after or like, you know, going through their homework rigorously to ensure that their graphic novel is up to snuff, right? So presumably you didn't get this from your dad. Like how did that happen? Like what's the transition? I mean, you can learn a lot by watching somebody and learning what to do, but you can also learn a lot from other people's mistakes. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so I think that is a big part of it. I think I, my mom was a, probably a pretty big influence in sort of often pointing out, you know, like, mm. you know, like this may be how things are in, in, the, in this time, but things have changed. And when you're growing up, like you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that. Um, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, all of society, it's not just in my house, but I think all of society is, has changed over that time. So, um, right. You know, even even what you would see on television is very different now than than back then. Right. I mean, now it's more common for the dad figure on a show to be more hands on, like to be more of the bumbling fool around their kids, but still more hands on than back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like in the day of Full House, the novelty of the show was that there were three dads raising or three men raising these kids. That's not that funny now <laughs> that, in 2020. That, that sums it up completely. That like in the 80s, there was a movie called Mr. Mom. And that's the, <laughs> that's the joke. That's the gimmick. It's a dad having to do stuff that a mom would do. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, our lives are jokes in 2020. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, in the old days, there was this feeling that the dad's primary thing is making money, right? Right. But at some point, that got shifted because the dad is not the only one working anymore. So even that got taken away from him <laughs> at that point. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, although it wasn't as common in, at the time, my mom also worked. My mom w worked full time. Mm -hmm. Um, for most mm. of my childhood. Mm. Uh, so maybe that also maybe made a difference to how I saw things uh, and, and what kind of adult I grew up to be. Uh, I think undoubtedly, yeah, you know, I think if you if you grow up with your dad working and your mom like being a homemaker, that that could probably, uh, you know, sort of you set you up to have these more like gender roles where you would sort of figure like, well, of course, my dad doesn't help out around as much at home like that's that's really my mom's job like that's what she does is she does well, that stuff. that's that's going to get into the second part of our conversation which is the role of moms which i'm sure you and i have lots to say about <laughs> but on on the subject of dads before we leave it uh -huh. like so we've talked a little bit about your dad and what you learned not to do <laughs> from his example <laughs> i mean i had a bit of a different experience because my dad as we've alluded to on the show was actually one of these like weird like uh, modern dads before his yeah, time. Yeah, your dad was right? a, a visionary, a man before his time. He did the majority of the cooking, right? Very bizarre. Very bizarre, yeah, because in, in hindsight, I think that is true. But looking back on it at the time, I was like, this is the most old-fashioned dad in the world. He's the most, like, I was always had this feeling. It's only now as I've done this podcast that I've kind of realized that this guy was recycling and creating our own organic bin way before it became fashionable to do so. But you would never have known it by talking to him about his, like, political views or anything. For me, what I saw from him was that he was always around, yeah. right? So. One of my expectations is a big reason of why I ended up doing family medicine or choosing this particular work-life balance was that I had in my mind that if I had a family and I had children, that I needed to be around with the children. Yeah. And 
that was established long in advance. And so I had to find a career that allowed me to do that because my dad was always home by 5.30 to make dinner, right? So you went into medicine thinking like this was going to be the job that's going to make sure you're like have good family time. Not necessarily medicine, but this was just one of my expectations of whatever job I took, that if I had children, then I would have to be there. I didn't really want to have them being raised by their mom alone, right? Which I had seen that example also, Mm. right? But but if you're going to be there and, and if both parents are going to be there, like it, w- it wasn't really so much that I was going to be there, but that we're all going to be there raising our children. Right. So some people don't even have this viewpoint. Right. Some people's viewpoint is we'll have the children, but then we're going to get a nanny involved right. to raise them. Right. Or we're going to send them to boarding school to raise them. Like there's all sorts of variations on this. But for me, having experienced, you know, what it was like having my dad being really hands on and helping me throughout you know my life then i had this feeling that you know when i when i'm having a family i want to do that too but as a doctor i gotta do it better right so the whole point of being a doctor is i gotta you know have a little bit more financial means than my dad did so therefore i could use it in a way to to really help my children even more right so that actually was is part of my underlying philosophy of of being a dad is to at least the minimum bar is to achieve what my dad did and maybe hopefully to, to go a little bit past that. I think definitely for our generation, there's much more of the mindset of, you know, my job is just the thing that I do to, uh, to support and, uh, and elevate my family as opposed mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, generations past where, no, my job is my identity and my job is the thing that I do. And, you know, mm-hmm. as a side effect of that, it also will support my family. But, you mm-hmm. know, where people, people's loyalty or commitment to the job could, could supersede their, what they have to do for their family much, much more. And I guess in that right. environment, it, it kind of, that could only really work that way when there's someone else at home then whose complete dedication is to doing all the things at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the someone else, the mom. Yeah. <laughs> so no role in the family has changed as much as the mom's role in a family, right? Like this is a major societal shift we've seen in the latter part of the 20th century into the 21st century in the Western world, which is that more and more moms are working, right? Right. That is a huge change. And I guess both of our moms work. My mom was home for an extended period um, after my sister started to have allergies yeah. and started to have all these medical issues. But prior to that, she had been working, but then the, then the illnesses sort of caused that to stop. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I, I think that was for, for people, my dad's age, there is a definite thing of men being upset that their wives are working a man, like <laughs> yeah. not wanting their wife to work. Uh, mm-hmm. whereas growing up with a mother who had a job, I really didn't really realize until I was older that, that that was even a thing that, that there were mm-hmm. things where, where some women like worked by taking care of the home and, and didn't have like another job. Uh, right. But yeah, I think we've really shifted from a time of women wanting to work and, you know, needing a little bit of support from men in society to say, yes, no, women, if they want to work, well, they should be allowed to and we should support it. To now there's this shift to sort of where they need help in the other direction, right? Where now some women want to choose to stay home and what they need from men in society is you know to make sure that there's no stigma attached to people who choose right. to stay home and work right 
And I mean, the stigma sometimes can come from other women. That's <laughs> right? right. It's not even always from men, right? So, you know, it's a very complicated thing. And it we're, we are probably not... Uh, what is the word? We're probably not qualified to speak on it, it to some degree, but we will anyway. That's right. I mean, we, we're certainly not as light, enlightened probably as we should be. But mm-hmm. where I sort of see things going for the future, uh, I think eventually we're going to get to a time where society as a whole realizes that it's not a matter of saying like, okay, women are allowed to work or women are allowed to, to stay home, but more of that that we understand we have to build mechanisms to say, yeah, at certain parts of their life, uh, we should ma- we should support women uh, or men if they choose to do it to be able to stay home to look after kids. But specifically from the point of view, women, there's no way around the fact that women are the ones who are going to be pregnant and delivering the babies. You know, mm-hmm. So they're going to need some time. So anyway, what I'm going with this is that we're going to have a future where, yeah, women get supported during that time, but then also built into the way the world runs, uh, after that time is over, women will be able to then transition back into like the workplace and not feel like, oh, like I can't really ever have a real career or anything like that because by choosing to have a family, uh, you know, that, that really puts me out of the running for, for, for a proper job and career afterwards. But it is a very difficult thing. Yeah, right? yeah. So like even now, like I, I do feel like we've made strides in 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 this regard, you know, over the last few decades, but still, even in this day and age, if you're a woman and you, your boss gets a win that you're thinking about having children, you know, or you're interviewing for a job and you're, and the interviewer suspects you're going to have kids soon, or you're going to get married soon, like they, then your chances of getting a job change, right? Because nobody's equipped to deal with all the hassles from their business standpoint, when you suddenly need to time off, when you suddenly are going to be away for a year or two, right? And it's unfortunate that our society still pigeonholes people this way instead of helping them through it and having these mechanisms. Yeah. You know, I could say in my opinion at CHEO, the, the, the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, certainly in my division, the, the emergency department, uh, it's not held against women whatsoever when we're hiring mm-hmm. uh, that they may uh, have children soon. Like, I mean, I've been on these interview panels. I've been on the other side of the interview process. I've been behind all those closed doors and high-level meetings, high-ish mm-hmm. level meetings and all that kind of stuff. And I can absolutely say, no, people get hired and we know when we're hiring them that, yep, the age this person is and they're, you know, they're this far into their marriage, we, we can almost be certain that they're going to like yeah. have children next year. So that never goes into the hiring process in terms of saying we're not hiring them because we think they might have kids or we're not hiring them because they're pregnant right now. Uh, but at the flip side, we got a long way to go in terms of actually making it a place where, uh, where, when, where, where we know that people are going to have babies and, and we designed around that, you know, cause we still have mm-hmm. it where, okay, we've hired two people, they both go on maternity leave at the same time. And then there's still a bit of a, of a scramble to try to figure out like, okay, well, how are we going to manage the department, mm-hmm. you know, two people down? As opposed to saying like, let's design this whole thing from the ground up, knowing that men and women are going to need to take time when they're at the age where they're trying to start families. So, so overall, what's like how is what is your children's experience with their mom how is that different from your experience with your mom 
Because your mom worked and was pretty busy by the sound of it too, right? She was a nurse. My mom was a nurse and what she did was she worked nights for, for the whole time that I was sort of old enough to remember her working. Uh, she mm. always worked overnights. So you'd she'd disappear in the evening, she'd come back in the morning. And wow. Yeah. So, so she's home when you come home from school. So she'd be home when we come home from school. And I'm, when I'm thinking back to even sort of being kindergarten age where I'm not even going to school, I remember I wake up in the morning and I actually used to do this thing where I'd hide under my covers in my bedroom because um, when, when I was about three years old, I actually had a bed in my parents' bedroom. So that's where my room was. We had a small place at the time. So I'd hide under the covers when I heard my mom coming in. And when she came upstairs to the bedroom, I'd jump out from the covers and say, surprise. Um, <laughs> and it sort of occurs to me as an adult looking back on it that she may have been surprised once but she couldn't have been surprised every day when I did it. But so that would be the start of the day. And yeah, she would have to, she, you know, she'd have to sleep, but she'd also have to set me up and stuff like for the rest of the day. Uh, right. So she, she must have been exhausted, right? Because there was no right. way she was getting eight solid hours of sleep. And that's just the way she functioned for years and years. Right. I mean... And you had you had multiple siblings, right? So your household is busy. That's right. I was I was number three out of four kids in my family, so right. um, yeah. It uh, uh, let's put it this way though, like what my mom did. Uh, my wife is spectacular and uh, does like amazing things, and we have four kids, so she does amazing things. But I don't think even she would say that she could possibly envision having like lived through what my mother lived through and coming out okay on the other side. <laughs> well, the night shifts is crazy. Like I, you're telling me she did night shifts endlessly then. That's right. She did endless night wow. shifts. And you know, when we were really small, she would have probably not been, she wouldn't have been doing them then, you know, every night. Uh, like she would have had mm -hmm. some, like a reduced schedule where she may work sort of like uh, right. three days out of seven or four days out of seven or something like that. Uh, but then by the time I was in uh, high school, so she was sometimes working seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you, now you have three daughters, right? Yeah. So what's your message to them? Like what's their role supposed to be someday when they have their own families? Well, I'm, I would hope that they would see how things run in our household and be striving for something like that. You know, mm -hmm. two parents that work, but whoever's job allows them to be physically at home during times when the kids are like need someone to watch them would be then doing that. But that the other person, mm -hmm. when they come home from work is then saying, okay, yeah, now I'm on the job too and be helping to do all the stuff that goes with running a household and looking after the kids. Would you be okay if your daughter said, I'm just going to be a stay at home mom, right? Like I, it's, it's 2040, I guess at this point, and I don't need to work you know, is medical dad cool with that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's totally fine. But then they better be married to somebody who's got like some <laughs> incredible income <laughs> and they better be actually like trained up for a job so that if that guy decides to, you know, be a jerk or get on a power trip, that, uh, that, 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 that whenever they're ready, they can say, I choose not to work, <laughs> not I can't work. Right, right. Which, which can happen to guys when they have that sizable income sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my thing for my daughters and for my son, right? If my son also grew up and said, hey, dad, like I choose to be a stay-at-home dad and I, I'm still living large, I'd be like, well done, son. I always want to see you do better in life than me. 
<laughs> I always wanted to see you achieve the things that I never could. But uh, but for all of my kids, boys and girls, uh, they better not be in a position where, yeah, well, I, I work at home and, you know, I, I can't uh, do anything else. You know, I, if my husband or wife left me tomorrow, I don't know what I would do. Because, and I have to put up with all this garbage from him. Uh, and he doesn't clear the table or she doesn't clear the table. <laughs> and I have to pick it up like a slave because I, I, I don't, I'm not qualified for any job after. It's like, no, no, no. Like <laughs> but, but dad, this video is going to go viral and then I won't need to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So that's, that's, that's for me. We've got a few minutes left. Why don't you tell me a bit about for you? What do you, what do you see for your daughter? <laughs> I mean, I'm on. I'm. I agree with you. I, I'm a. I'm a big stickler that everybody, gender notwithstanding, like everybody needs to achieve what they can achieve in their life. You know, in terms of being productive, in terms of learning, in terms of you know finding, uh, finding a job or a profession or a career that brings them joy and fulfillment and stability. Yeah. Right. I. I have trouble with the fact that, you know, we spend all this time homeschooling our children through this virus only for them to say, you know what? I don't need to do anything as an adult. <laughs> like, what was that for? <laughs> right. So and I agree with you, like, especially for women. Right. As you know, it's I've seen so many people like they have a child and then, you know, th then they gets busy. So they're looking after the kids for a few years. But then when they want to go back to the workforce after a few years out. Well, now you're starting at the bottom. You're competing against people who are hungrier, right? Or, or it's perceived that they're hungrier, right? They're fresh grads. You've been out of work for a long time. And then gradually they just kind of fall to the wayside. And they don't go back to doing stuff, Yeah. right? Like to me, it's just such a waste for people. Like I'd rather people, you know, not do things on their own choice, but not because the society has dictated or, or they've pigeonholed themselves into a situation where now they're running out of options. Yeah. Right. So for our children, I always want them to have options. Right. And you know, you were talking about, yeah, you married a rich dude and he runs off. Well, you need to have options. Right. So you do need to be able to look after yourself someday. I, I think I can't even think of too many people or maybe anyone really who's my age, who's contemporary with me where this is a woman who just is a like a stay-at-home mom, homemaker, who even after the kids like grow up and are in school full time and then transitioning out, where the where the mom is still well, well, I, I'm still just a home, like I still just just do this one role of of being the homemaker. Uh, most people ha go through a homemaker phase or period, but then uh, as the kids uh, need less looking after. The woman doesn't just then say, yeah, well, but now I'm going to be like a woman from the 1950s and I make like a, a big turkey dinner every night. Like they, they usually actually start to do some other kind of job or career building or, or something like that. So that's that's where I have this vision that in the future, um, the, most the, the norm will be that uh, either the husband or the wife goes through a phase of like being focused on looking after the house and, and raising the kids, but that everybody is going to eventually have some kind of fulfilling thing they do outside of the home afterwards. I mean, I have the same vision as you. I think that everyone should be pushing and striving for that. But I, I mean, I think maybe it's my patient population. I do know a lot of people who are at home, right? Their kids are grown up and they're, they're kind of floundering, right? They're in and out of the doctor's office with a lot of nebulous complaints. <laughs> and a lot of it's they have a lot of time on their hands and they don't know what to do. And a lot of it also comes with being part of the immigrant experience, right? right. So 
they're in Canada, they don't speak English, so their job options are really limited anyway. Yeah. Right? So they're in this really, you know, it's a difficult situation. I do always think that all of us should strive to have options and and be able to be self-sufficient. You know, we're always plan for the worst case scenarios. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although who knows, maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe when we're sitting around talking in 2050 or 2051, uh, it'll be this thing that, no, like, like people find huge fulfillment just being, uh, just being the homemaker, even after their kids grow up and leave. Like these, these <laughs> men that just love make, spending all day making like a five course meal for their wives and keeping the house tidy. And that's it. That's all they do. And they watch soap operas. <laughs> Well, not to belittle that lifestyle, but, you know, as a parent, I do feel like we're pushing our kids for a reason. Yeah, well, like you say, I think you said it well. You know, if that's what people are doing by choice, then that is then great, because that's what I want for my kids, right? To, for them to be able to choose to do what makes them happy. And if that's what they love mm -hmm. to do, then that's great. I just don't want anyone to be doing it because they don't have a choice. All right. I mean, we've we have exhausted my repertoire of discussion tonight. Like it's getting super late. <laughs> well, maybe I'll tell you what, what we're going to probably have to edit this for time anyway. But I'll tell you one sort of for sort of follow up from a previous episode just to close things out. Um, now, not even being sure what ep what order these episodes are going to air in, because <laughs> if, we, if we talk about something contemporary, then usually we try to edit that one and put it out first. But uh, we had a previous uh, episode about uh I can't remember what you called it, graphic art or something like that. But it was about sequential art. Right. Sequential art. Sequential art. Yes, <laughs> comic books. Well, in that episode, you, were, we, we, you talked about Calvin and Hobbes and how that should be on the reading list for every kid. Absolutely, yeah, I stand by that. That's right. Well, so at the time, I was sort of saying like, well, but I don't really know if it. I, I think for everyone my age, you should be, you should have read Calvin Hobbes, but I don't know if for kids, if that's the thing they're getting into. So since we had that discussion. My son uh, got as a gift from my sister uh, a little Calvin Hobbes treasury. And mm. so I was like, oh, yeah, we were just talking about this. So I didn't want to say too much, but I was really waiting on bated breath to find out what his take on this would be. Um, so I went by later. I was like, so, yeah, I saw you had that uh, Calvin Hobbes. What did you think of that? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's really funny. And so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. True art stands the test of time, That's right. just like this podcast. <laughs> Calvin, Calvin Hobbes will be going for generations. <laughs> awesome. So on that note, <laughs> that's your line. We, Yes, but you can close us out today. <laughs> Dave's, Dave's running out of steam, folks. <laughs> I got to carry us across the finish line. So on that note, we'll see you in a week. And bye for now. Bye, folks. <laughs>